Joe Biden meets with Vladimir Putin of Russia. And looking at the press conferences, it doesn't look like it went real well. Uh, why can't people listen to people who have lived the experience before? I don't know. And apparently I'm a white supremacist and a racist. I just needed to go through my days and see how. This is Gene, and you're, look, you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. You may hear the little frog in my throaty. It's because I'm just getting over a cold. Yes, it's a cold, not COVID. But anyway, and so if I sound a little uck, you know why. All right, so today, President Biden had this long-awaited summit with Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin to discuss, well, no one's really sure, to be honest with you. No one has really said what it was going to be about. We still kind of know what they were talking about. Uh, I know we will probably talk about this more later uh, as the dust settles and people begin to go through some of the... um, they go through some of the video recordings and things like that. Maybe we'll see a transcript or two. The meeting lasted for about two and a half hours. It was one. It was only one round for two and a half hours. It was expected to be uh, two rounds at five hours, but that didn't happen. Uh, when it was completed, uh, the two held separate press conferences, which is really strange. And... It's actually pretty bad. It really shows that President Putin had some uh, had some things to say and may have really rocked Biden during this uh, conference during this meeting. And Biden, when when you saw the press conferences, you could tell there was a reason why they had only they each had separate press conferences. Uh, Biden didn't look really good, so it 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 didn't look it didn't look, it was a bad bad look. President Putin, in his um, press conference, said some things that weren't true and were probably actually pretty slanderous against the United States. Uh, it would have been nice if Biden was strong enough to be there so he could have contradicted him. A lot of the folks basically say it was weak. It, it was a very weak, weak conference, a very weak showing by President Biden. So let's go over some of the press conference from President uh, Putin's conference. He answered about 30 questions and spoke for about an hour. Uh, He said he never felt pressure and the conversation between he and uh, he and Biden were friendly. Uh, He said there were no agreements established, but he did say they have an understanding of each other that they didn't have before. Uh, even though they still had a bunch of disagreements. So, okay. He didn't take any responsibility for any of the cyber attacks, the hacking, the ransomware attacks. As a matter of fact, he said the United States did most of the hacking in the world. Now, this would have been nice where Biden could have been there. To actually say, no, no, no. This is one of those areas. I mean, could you imagine if he said that with Trump? Yeah. When pushed on imprisonment of the opposition, Alexei Novaini, Putin sidestepped it by comparing his prison, his imprisonment of Novaini to the January 6th riots and the imprisonment of the rioters. I'm not exactly sure uh, how they're comparable. Those folks in prison, I, I mean, 
they're, they're actually been in jail a long time for trespassing, and they're going to get convicted, but I don't see the difference. I mean, Nelvaney was poisoned, and it's assumed that it's actually Putin that did it. But again, this is what he does. He deflects, and he uses United States problems against the United States. He was asked about the human rights violations in uh, Russia. I almost said the Soviet Union. Putin again sidestepped that by talking about the racism in the United States and our systemic racism. Again, this is what he does. He sidesteps, he sidesteps. But overall, he didn't, he said, he didn't really say, they talked a little bit about Ukraine and Belarus. He didn't really say anything uh, that was hardcore or, he just talked and it was, I mean, he did a, it was a good press conference. He had a lot of lies, a lot of lies. You can tell the guy, the guy used to be KGB. Biden's press conference was about a half hour later and it was a lot shorter. It was only about a half hour and he actually took only seven questions from the press. He ended up by the end taking about 10 questions. Now, in his opening statement, he talked about human rights and he actually tried to sound strong. He, he used a loud voice, a strong voice, or for as strong as an old man could, could have it. He was trying to sound strong. How about that? He talked about the voting interference and how he was asking Putin to, to uh, not um, interfere with our elections. He gave Putin a list of infrastructure areas that should never be attacked by cyber criminals. So he obviously didn't believe Putin and his words about the Russian government not having anything to do with it. I don't know why you would actually give Putin a list of infrastructure areas not to attack because that kind of says, well, these infrastructure areas are very important, so please don't attack them. He did threaten uh, Putin, saying that he doesn't understand the cyber elements that we have in the United States government, and he would best, he should best not test the United States. Personally, I would like to, I, I, I believe this, but I would like him to not talk about it, but do it. Shut down the lights, the power grid in Russia for an hour. And, and let them do this. So that was good of him. He spoke about the humanitarian issues in Syria, Ukraine, and Belarus. Uh, he talked about um, the uh, Iran getting a nuclear weapon. He seemed concerned about that. There wasn't any mention of, of the satellite that is supposedly being sent to Iran. So we really don't know what the story is with that. He talked about keeping the Arctic uh, a military-free zone. Of course, I don't think talking to Russia is really the most important area there. I think China is the one that's going to try and do that. And if China does, I, obviously we need to do something about it. The Arctic being a military stronghold for a specific country, this is one of the reasons why I believe it was, uh, no, it was Trump, I believe, wanted to make Greenland I can't remember if it's Greenland or Iceland into another state of the United States, is because it does have value as far as militarily. And technically, we're not supposed to be occupying the Arctic for military reasons. Uh, but 
that was that was the good stuff. I mean, that's what he said. But then we found out when he started taking questions, then he looked like the old Joe. He looked like old, old Joe. Uh, he, again, followed a list of reporters provided to him by his staff. We also found out later that not only did he have notes that he seemed to be reading off of, he seemed to actually be answering the questions based off his notes, which means he probably had the questions before, beforehand. He also had a teleprompter. Now, this makes the press conference look really staged. Um, the questions, it looked like, were pre-approved. They were, for the most part, soft. He did not, and like I said, it looked like he was actually reading off the answers. You could see him while the question is being read. He's looking at his notes, probably trying to get all the questions. Uh, remember what the answers to the questions were supposed to be. He never called on Peter Ducey again. Peter Ducey is the uh, president correspondent for Fox News. Peter Ducey always gives Jan, 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 Jan Psaki a, a heart attack every time he asks a question. Biden never asks any questions about it. Uh, Peter Ducey actually attacked uh, Biden on, and it wasn't really attacked, it was just a question. What about, did you discuss China? Did you discuss the COVID-19 lab leak theory? Things like that. One question that was never brought up in the, in the 10 questions, 7 to 10 questions he answered, was the uh, pipeline, the um, Nord Stream pipeline that he allowed Russia to build. And what we were actually getting out of that, because the reality is they, they're now allowing Russia to build this pipeline, but Russia's continuing to do whatever they do, and it doesn't seem like the United States really won anything on that whole thing so except to make russia stronger uh in the middle of his press conference this was kind of a strange move he actually took off his jacket and put it on the floor <coughs> it was it's just a very strange thing to do now i understand it was 80 degrees over in um i think it's belgium where they were holding this but it's just in the middle of a press conference, you take off your jacket. You think Donald Trump would have done that, by the way? Probably not. He probably would have sweated right down. He would have sweated right through his suit because he used to do that all the time. Uh, it, at one point, at the very last question, and these questions were by reporters who did not get called on. Ducey was one of them. He he never got called on, but he asked the question and Biden answered it anyway. Another reporter asked how he could feel confident that Putin would change his behavior. And he turned on her and he started yelling at her. He said, I am not confident. I am not confident. If you think I'm confident about that man changing his behavior, well, then you're in the wrong business. He started yelling at this gal. Could you imagine if Trump ever did that? He, everyone goes into a hissy fit whenever Trump said you're fake news or he tells Jim Acosta to sit down. He actually, this he does this quite often when he has a question that he just doesn't know how to handle. So looking at the press conferences, first off, this entire week, him being in, in Europe for the G7, his meeting with Erdogan of, uh, of Turkey, 
which was actually hidden. We don't have anything on that meeting, and I'm sure that didn't go well. And his meeting with Putin, where he looked exceptionally weak, this was a bad week for Biden. Nothing really went well. You've had a lot of people sit there and use woke terminology and a lot of globalist ideas out there. But it was a very bad week for Joe Biden. And I don't think he's going to come to the United States. He's going to come back to the United States and really take a victory tour because it was no, it was just not good. Now, I, I don't know if I've ever really talked about how I ended up the way I am, how I ended up a conservative, very pro-United States, very pro-Constitution. But it, it comes from the people I lived with, specifically my grandparents, my grandparents on my father's side, and to a small part, my dad. Now, I hate communism. I hate tyranny of any kind. And I get very touchy when I start seeing people become tyrannical. I also appreciate our freedoms, and I know they can be taken away. I appreciate the Constitution. I appreciate the exactness of the Constitution. And I know that our Constitution and our freedoms in this country are unique throughout world history. It's probably never, I can't think of any other civilization in human history that has actually been had the freedoms that we have here. My grandparents both escaped Nazi Germany. Now, this is a story my grandfather told me, and I don't know if it was true, uh, but my grandfather used to work in a Messerschmitt factory. That was an airplane factory. And one of the things he did is he used to be a uh, watchmaker. So he, had, he was very precise. He knew he could work with very small parts. And that's where the Nazis... They put him in a Messerschmitt factory during the war. Well, one day he decided to take a day off. And the United States, or uh, England, what, either the United States or England, bombed the Messerschmitt factory where he had worked. So my grandfather, okay, didn't have to go to work. The Nazis assigned him to another Messerschmitt factory. And he took another day off sometime later. They bombed that measurement factory. One day while he's on his way, while he was coming home, I don't know, from the store or something, uh, his brother stopped him and told him that he needed to uh, get to the train station, get on the train and head over to, I can't remember what country it was. I believe it was, it was further east. It was Hungary or something, Austria. I'm sorry, it was Austria. And he he. He ran over and he asked why, why? And he said, because, uh, the, because the stormtroopers are after you. They think you're a spy because the two buildings that you worked in were all blown up on days that you weren't there. So my grandfather, my grandmother and my father were actually already on the way out of the country. My grandfather got in the country. Uh, somehow they got into Italy. They boarded a ship in Italy and landed, I believe it was in Louisiana, in the United States. While there, my grandfather was detained because the Americans knew that he had actually worked in a Messerschmitt factory, and they thought he might be a German spy. So that's an interesting... My dad says, no, I don't think that happened. My dad was a year old at the time, so I, maybe it did. I don't know why my grandfather would say that. I always 
said, you know something, I'm going to believe it happened. He told me it happened, and it's such a great story that, uh, you know, I'm just going to take it. Now, when they came to the United States, they had absolutely no money. They didn't speak any English, but they became very wealthy with the opportunities they had in the United States. They ended up buying property, that rental property, and then they ended up buying a house. And my grandfather worked very hard. He up kept the buildings all by himself. I helped him a lot. He, of course, was suppressed in Nazi Germany. My grandmother was part Russian. She had lived in Russia for a while. Um, my sister's, my um, grandmother's sister, her name was Auntie Goldie, she lived in the Soviet Union. And she was completely oppressed. Her husband, who was apparently a real jerk-off, was a member, was a, a low-level member of the Politburo. My aunt, Auntie Goldie, one day did come to the United States, but she had to come alone. She had to leave her kids. She had to leave her husband because the Soviets wanted her back. And that's how they did things over there. If Because he was a Politburo member, she was able to come over. But... um. She couldn't bring any of her family because they didn't want her to defect. She and her husband, uh, to this day, she dis they disappeared. It's presumed they were executed. No one ever heard from her again. No one was ever able to get a hold of her again. And no one knows where any of the family is, as a matter of fact. But she, my grandmother would tell me stories about Goldie, and she would tell me stories about Nazi Germany, my grandfather... And it just, they sounded like they're just such terrible places. And I remember Auntie Goldie sat, said, couldn't believe, we were talking, I believe it was uh, Jimmy Carter at the time was president. My grandfather and I were already talking politics at the time. I was young, I was about 10. It may have been, no, no, it was in the 80s because I was a little older than that. And uh, Reagan was president. But we were talking about Jimmy Carter and she couldn't believe how we could talk about our politicians the way we did. She couldn't believe you could say something bad about a politician and not worry about it. She could never understand. She actually had fear that someone would break into our house. And this is the one thing I learned because of my grandparents' experience, listening to their stories, knowing what they went through. I learned about the value of this country and things that we take completely for granted. I don't take them for granted, but a lot of people in this country do, and I'm sure there are times I do too. Now, you know me, Park, is a 27-year-old who lived, who as a teenager, is 27 years old, as a teenager when she was about 17, she lived in North Korea, and she was actually under, she was actually untrafficked as a sex slave. She fleed North Korea, ran in and went to China. So she stayed in China. And then finally she was able to escape China and get into the United States. And she's a very brilliant, brilliant woman. She ended up going to Columbia University. And she said, and this was really, she said, I've got to, I got to warn you about something. Those leftist professors at Columbia University, they talk just like the uh, extremists uh, uh, talk 
in such extremist ideologies that are competitive with the same with the same ideologies that they spread in North Korea and China. Um, she was on the Sean Hannity show, and this clip is going to be a little bit long, but the message is really important. Listen. And how many years you were in North Korea? What twenty years? And you think the indoctrination in the United States at our Ivy League institution, Columbia, is as bad or worse as the propaganda, anti-American hate that you heard in North Korea? So when I was in North Korea, first thing that I learned was that Americans were bastards. It was actually the one word. At school, when I was attending, they told me, actually, there's just math problem saying there are four American bastards. You killed two of them. Then how many American bastards left to, to kill? And as a child in North Korea, you have to say two American bastards. And when I came to America, I like I fell in love with this country. This is such a wonderful country. I've never been accepted more than this country was. And as at Columbia University, literally every professor was saying that you know the problems that we have on today's world is because of white men, how they colonize Africa, they how colonize I mean. Asia, right? That's how they mess up everything, and they are the one who's who needs to be blamed. And I couldn't believe that. Like, am I sitting in North Korea's classroom or in America? Actually, I couldn't believe why people are hating their own people that much. What is your overall thought then, when you think of look at America today, and you compare it with your life experience, which has been horrific, uh, sold into sex slavery at one point in your life? Uh, you get to America, you're expecting this to be the land of the free, the home of the brave, and the land of freedom, and, and you get the exact same propaganda here. It's just heartbreaking. I, I literally sold as a sexual slave, and I literally crossed the Gobi Desert to be free. And now I thought I, I landed in a country where I can say what I believe and have my, you know, freedom to think. However, now I end up in a country, I have to be constantly censoring my speech because now in the name of a safe place, Colombia was told, I mean, told us what we cannot talk about. Yeah. And I am so concerned, like, if America is not free, I think there's no place else is left that is free. And I think that's why it's really alarming to me. This woman is a hero. This is someone who should be listened to. We should beg her to speak in colleges. We should beg her to speak at political events. She has gone through so about as she's gone through about as much suffering as any single person could have gone through thanks to the tyranny of North Korea and then China. She knows what communism is. She knows what socialism is. She knows where it leads. She's young, too. Part of the generation, the same generation that is calling for socialism in this country. Who is calling for us to lose our freedoms? Who is calling for no police? Probably a federalized police. The difference is that generation has never experienced communism, socialism, and tyranny. They have been spoiled by the freedoms that they have. And they haven't had to fight for those freedoms. Let's face it. I mean, we haven't had a world war against a tyrannical government, a war that was really honestly like a, a level of World War II in forever. 
And then the wars after, Korea, Vietnam, even the Iraq wars had been politicized. I would suggest any of these Antifa and BLM fools actually go to a communist country. Go to one of these tyrannical companies. Go to China. See what's happening. Go to North Korea and try to burn a business like they are doing in the United States. And like, well, there aren't a lot of businesses in North Korea. But go to North Korea and, and do some of the protesting. See what happens to you. Go to China and protest. Go to, go to Cuba and talk crap about Castro. See what happens. Be gay in Cuba. China or uh, North Korea. See what happens. Of course, none of them will do that. They will continue to demonize people who appreciate this country. And a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people in this country that appreciate this country because they know what it's like in other countries, including this brave woman. There was a guy named Maximo Alvarez, I believe it was, he spoke during the RNC uh, last year. And he said the same thing. He came from communist Cuba on a boat, one of those little skiffs they build. He landed in, uh, he landed in uh, freaking uh, uh, Florida. He built a career. And he said the same thing. How can you people just demonize this country like you are well i mean she's facing death threats she's facing uh censorship people don't want her speaking because she speaks the truth here she is bringing that up so oh yeah i mean i'm my used to be enemy was kim jong-un i mean i have been on the killing list of kim jong-un for many years because i speak spoke out in the west about the suffering of north korean people my three generations of family got punished. But now, it's ironically enough, so many Marxists and communists, Maoists, Leninists, and sending me death threats. And this is such an irony that I don't even know how to respond. That this is a war that against socialism and communism, the fact that I come from North Korea and saying, you know, North Korea started as a communist country. It began as you know, let's make it the most equal society in the world. Now, the regime made 50 different classes based on your status, based on what your great-great-grandfather did. And when I went to Colombia, that's when I shocked. They say, because your ancestors owned the slaves, that you must be guilty. You are privileged mm -hmm. because you're white. And this yeah. is injustice because you can never choose your ancestors. You don't choose your, your race. And people in North Korea being punished for, you know, certain class. And in this America, the same thing happening right now. Listen, the reality is people are not going to learn. We will not be able to teach them. They, whenever we sit there and we have debates with these people, they don't want to listen. They call you names. I have been called a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, a transphobe. I have been called, uh, and I've been called I'm too old. To understand, I, I mean, I have been, people have, when I ha hold debates, the first thing they do is this intersectional bull BS that actually has nothing to do with the reasoned argument. The way we end this scourge is let those people go 
and just know what's right. That's the only way it's we're going to be able to fight back is just push back like we're we're doing now. It's happening now. People are losing their minds now. You see it almost on a daily basis. You got Rick DeSantis and Greg, Greg Abbott who are creating laws that are fighting this woke crap, this trans garbage, this this CRT, critical race theory garbage. You've got Greg Abbott in Texas who has decided, well, if Joe Biden ain't going to shut the border down, I am. I'm going to build my own wall. And today he actually announced he, they have the money to, act, to continue building and repairing the wall in Texas. Parents in, at school board meetings are fighting to end the CRT, CR, the critical race theory and the LGBTQ indoctrination of their children. People are moving from blue states to red states. They're leaving New York for Florida. They're leaving California for Texas. Gun ownership is skyrocketing. You know why? Because people can't trust our politicians. They can't trust that the politicians will keep safe, keep them safe, because we know crime is skyrocketing like crazy. And they can't trust the government for trying to steal rights away from us to piss on the Constitution like they've been doing. We can and will take this country back. I am 100% confident of it. We're going to look back in 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, I can't believe we went through all this crap. You're always going to have that leftist, but the leftist narrative is falling apart. Now, I knew I was going to, I had one more story to go through, and it wasn't really a story. It was actually kind of funny. But it's to show you how I can manipulate something into showing that I'm a racist. Uh, but I'm out of time for today. So usually I take Thursday off, but I have this story. It won't take me too long, so I'll actually do that tomorrow night. Okay, uh, tomorrow during the day, I will post that little montage. It'll be very short, so it'll probably be about 20 minutes, but... I think it's kind of fun. And if you think about your life, you can probably call yourself a racist too. Okay, you can uh, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com if you want to take a look at uh, my show notes and any links. And you can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, YouTube, and Rumble. Have a great day. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.